All right now. Well, good afternoon, everybody. Good afternoon. This is Kim of Black Free Thinkers, and we are here to challenge you to think and live for yourself. Again, I would like to say this is Kim with Black Free Thinkers, and we are here to challenge you to think and live for yourself. One more time, I'm just going to say we are Black Black Free Thinkers, but we are not the Kanye or Candace Owens kind. I just want to make sure that that's understood. And hey, everybody, it's been a minute since I've been around, and it's just so much to unpack. This was a hell of a year. I bought one of those snowflakes that basically says fuck 2020 because this whole year was a nightmare, you know, a nightmare for a number of people, but it was also a good year for a number of people as well. And that's not, you know, um, um, taking anything away from the hundreds of thousands of people that we've lost. And as a matter of fact, you know, I believe we're going to probably lose another couple of hundred thousand people um, by the end of February. So, I mean, this whole thing has just been out of control. It's a raging fire that people are just sitting around and watching. And when I say that, I'm talking about, you know, the the soon-to-be-banished president of this country, right? Who would have thought that Trump 2020 was an expiration date, right? So what's so interesting is, you know, I don't have anything specific to talk about, yet I have specific things I want to talk about. Um, you know, at earlier, at the beginning of the year, I did a show, and I called it the Year of Be Best, right? And Be Best was the slogan that Melania Trump had chosen to be her theme or what have you. And (laughs) I said this was going to be Year of Be Best, but I never thought that it would be this. You know, we already know that their exceptionalism or the exceptionalism for Trump and the Republican Party and his family is inverted, and, you know, it exceeded my expectations. I never would have thought that we would have lost, you know, well over a quarter million people from January till now. And, you know, the numbers are rising, and I know it's more than a couple of, a quarter of, I'm, I'm sorry, Lord, a quarter of a million people. I know it's more than 250,000 people, but I just used that figure. So, you know, for those that want to correct me, please do. But I, I do know the numbers. I just gave that. So anyway, um, today's show is Festivus, Martyrs, and Be Best. And it says, join us as we recap 2020. There's so much to unpack and understand. Where do I start? Where do we go? Uh, yeah, what do we do? Who is responsible for everything that happened? How do we move forward? Is 2021 going to be better? Basically, where do we go from here? Right? And um, I've done the show on that, if you want to go back and listen to the archives. And it's just been really interesting, you know, trying to get a better understanding of what's happening around us. And it's a lot. It's a lot. You know, I'm just looking at the response that the Trump administration is having to the loss of life, which is they're ignoring it, they're silent on it, and for the most part, they just don't care because it's not them and their people, even though Donald Trump lost his brother, but, you know, he's out here golfing. And he's been golfing during the majority of his administration, at majority of his time in office. And it was just so funny how he was calling, you know, um, President Obama lazy and a whole bunch of other people. And this is like one of the laziest people I've ever seen. And so it's just funny to me, you know. And again, the entire four years that Donald Trump was in office and go back an additional year, you know, as he campaigned to be president of the United States. I mean, the whole thing has been festivist. His entire run, his administration and and post-administration, if you will, 
is nothing but festivus, you know, airing of grievances. And with Donald Trump, basically, you know, he he rails against Hollywood because they would never accept him. He rails against, you know, the so-called blue blood of America because they've never accepted him. And, and you know, and there are many other communities that have never accepted him, and he's always found a problem with that. He's always had a problem with that. And the fact that he was not reelected to a second term, you know, that gets under his skin as well. And, and, and what he's doing to his supporters, he's basically scamming them out of money. But the whole thing has been a scam. I mean, all the way back to when he started campaigning and announced his, you know, run for president, it was nothing but a marketing ploy, you know, to get more publicity, get more, you know, customers, you know, if you will, to his country clubs and his hotels and his properties, more buyers for his properties. But from the very beginning, you know, um, I've talked about this, and I said he's been laundering money for decades. And, you know, had some people looking at me crazy, but I'm like, that is what he's been doing. And a lot of that has come out. Even more will come out. It's going to be interesting, you know, what things look like on January 21st moving forward, you know, in regards to the Trump and Trump family. You know, I mean, he'll, he's pardoned a hell of a lot of people, you know, that are in, that are connected to him and connected with the alleged crimes, right, or the cover-up of the crime. Sometimes the cover-up of the crime is more criminal than the crime itself. So, you know, again, it's a lot to unpack there. But, guys, you know, I've been sitting back and I've been watching it. Ah, and, you know, and I'll put this out here. I, um, you know, I predicted that Trump was going to win 2020, Right? And the truth of the matter is, if I'm going to be, you know, honest with you guys, um, you know, um, basically, Donald Trump lost, but not really. So before we get people all outraged and say, oh, no, Kim, you're not one of those people, you, you know, do you believe that the election was stolen from him? No. I do not believe the election was stolen from Donald Trump. I believe Donald Trump gave away the election. I think Donald Trump tricked, you know, tripped himself up, you know, but also I also think he didn't want to serve another four years. He was miserable. You know, he never wanted the job from the very beginning. And the only reason why Donald Trump did not win that election was because, number one, the hundreds of thousands of people that have died from corona, number two, how he's, you know, how he ignored everything and everyone and and basically gave the American public as well as globally, you know, gave the world his middle finger. And number three, and to me, this is the biggest factor in why he lost. When he started discouraging people from voting absentee and mail-in ballots, that is what hurt Donald Trump the most. And um, that is what kept him from winning this election. And again, we need for you to understand that in order for Republicans to win these elections, they have to suppress the vote, which is why you're seeing these massive purges of voter rolls. Pay attention to what's happening in Georgia. A federal judge just basically denies them the ability to force 4,000 people off the voter roll, and they were challenging those people's addresses. But the way that the Republicans have been winning these elections is, again, voter suppression, um, you know, gerrymandering, you know, redrawing of the lines. You know, it's, it's just been really interesting. And, you know, I'll give Stacey Abrams, you know, her, her dues. She did a marvelous job. And, you know, I have more on that as far as what my belief is, you know, concerning. But um, Donald Trump threw the election and was so, you know, jarring about the whole thing. 
yes, he disparaged and discouraged people from <laughs> mailing in their ballots, you know, sending in absentee ballots. He did it, and a lot of people didn't go out and vote, you know, that were normally his supporters because of corona. You know, this thing is deadly, right? And basically, when he did that, he cut his own neck. And, but the concern is he barely lost. What would have happened had he not disparaged mail-in and absentee voting? What would have happened? He would have won. And everybody, mm-hmm. I would like to have you all say hi to Raina. Raina is with us today. Hey, Raina. Hey, how are you? Good. How are you? I'm good. Just, you know, just trying to, you know, make my place, you know, as uh, as as clean as it can be so that I can bring in the new year, right? You know? All right now. Organizing, yeah. re, um, you know, moving things around. You know, giving things the white glove treatment. You know. All right now. So All right now. Dealing with my cat who only wants attention when I get on the phone. Oh, tell him, Auntie Kim said hi. Okay. Cooper. <laughs> Kim says hi, Cooper. Yes. That's a jerk. Why are you such a jerk? Anyway, but yeah. Um, <laughs> speaking of jerk, yeah, you're absolutely right about about um, Trump. And uh, how he, you know, how he basically threw the election. Yes. Um, yes. I mean, if his people, namely these older white folks, um, had, uh, come, had you know, put in their ballots through the mail, um, we'd be talking as, well, we'd be, we'd be at least closer. I mean, there's still a three, there's still like a three million, you know, person gap. You know what I mean? I don't know what the numbers are on like how many of his of eligible Republican voters there were, but you know, I mean, basically, if you take out a good chunk of California, <laughs> the election side. <laughs> well, but see, this In is the thing. The One thing that vote. we right. Well, the thing is, <laughs> is that we've learned that even if you win the popular vote, that does not mean you're going to win the presidency. Oh yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah, you're right. I mean, I, I think I think probably what I think the the I'm, I'm just saying I'm not saying anything I'm not saying anything against what you're saying. I'm just saying I I would like to see what the actual numbers are. You know what I mean? Right. Um, like right. you know, especially where like the margins were really thin, right? Like exactly. Would he? Would there have needed to be have been more Republicans registered? Or would there have mm-hmm. needed to then more Republicans using mail-in ballots? Or, you know what I mean? Like, what, Right. you know what I mean? It's very close either way. But I would like to know. It would just be useful to know, you know. Um, mm-hmm. But, yeah, like, but yeah, like, absolutely. Moving forward, you know, we, we definitely need better strategies. Uh, the Democrats are, I read an article the other day talking about how the Democrats are old and they are fucking old and they're not fucking listening. Yep. And they nope. they want, a, you know, millennials, you know, including older millennials. And I wish that when people talk about old, like millennials, they would stop referring to us like we're all kids. Like, dude, some of us, <laughs> some of us have, some of us have filed bankruptcy. Some of us have lost <laughs> multiple houses. Some of us are on our second divorce. You know what I mean? Like, we are not children <laughs> by any stretch well, of the imagination. Well, what I would say about the millennials is that you all have come in and kicked up so much dust. I don't know what is up anymore, and I don't know what is down anymore, which is why I call you and, like, what the fuck does this mean, Raina? Fucked up our total understanding. Well, I mean, that's how we be feeling about a lot of the shit we be coming into. We were like, the fuck does this mean? Like, you told us it was this way, and, like, clearly it's something else. So, like, what the fuck is this? Like, yeah, no, I feel you. It's it's a little, you know, and, like, you're, and you're, like, Generation X. So, like, you're, like, really in that group that's, like, kind of like us, but, like, y'all got, like, y'all came in 
when, like, y'all could still kind of get decent jobs and, like, get by. You know what I mean? So, like, y'all still have, like, anti-establishment views, but, like, y'all also, like, you know, big houses and, you know, having shit. So, you know, (laughs) talking shit y'all are kind of in between us and shit. Did you hear me? I said talking shit and talking shit in our little McMansions and shit. Right. (laughs) Fuck the system. See, my property taxes are too high. (laughs) Your nephew, your nephew just threw up because he ate too fast. Uh, Like you do this, you do this all the time. That's why we're going back to the slow feeder. Anyway, (laughs) so so anyway, yeah, yeah, then you'll only be able to eat one. One nibble at a time, silly cat. Sorry. Uh-uh. I'm going to send him a big old bag of catnip. Maybe that'll make it better. Nah, that's he probably the worst of anything. <laughs> he said just be slow motion. I have a cat over here on the munchies and shit. Hmm? <laughs> oh, you said slow motion meows and shit, okay? <laughs> but... <you> know, <laughs> Oh my God! But, okay, um, you know what? I just uh, I just thought of uh, something, but you haven't seen this. You haven't seen this opera yet, so <laughs> so it would be lost on you. But anyway, well, anyway, we'll talk about it later. I'll watch it. Go ahead. Huh? Send me well, the link to it. I'll watch it later. Yeah. Um, I can't send you the link. You have to you have to sign up for the trial. Right. I'll get the, the I'll the, get the trial for that. That's no problem. Yeah, it's not a link. It's an app. You know what I mean? So, like, you can't. If I send you the link, it's not going to work. Well, you basically, all I need is for you to write down the name of the opera, and then I'll go and watch it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's fine. Yeah. Okay. So, in any case, uh, but, yeah, like, (laughs) that's, that's, our generation just does not fuck with what y'all be trying to tell us. Because we're like, this is clearly not how this works. You know what right. I mean? And, not us. And, and, the, and well, I mean, okay, some of y'all. I'll put some of y'all as Gen Xers in there. Because some of y'all Gen Xers act more like boomers. So we just want to keep it That's real. That's true. But That's this true. is true. Um, but not all. Nobody wants yeah, to be like, broke a lot of y'all. starving. Hmm? I said nobody wants to be broke and starving. Especially if you're, like, busting your ass. Like, who wants exactly. to do that? Right. So, yeah, like, I mean, most of the people most of the people I know, I mean, I even know some people younger than me. Like, I, like, I'm like, damn, you work in three jobs? How? You know what I mean? Right. Where do you sleep? You know what I mean? Like, and they still yeah. don't have all that much to show for it. And that's not a judgment on the value of their labor. That's. That's mm-hmm. actually me saying their labor is undervalued. Someone should be giving right. them more money. You know what I mean? That's all of us. So you know they turn yeah. around and pay us, you know, seventy, eighty, a hundred and fifty thousand dollars a year, right? And yeah. they're paying, you know, paying us one hundred and fifty thousand dollars a year. However, they made well over a million dollars on just your production by itself, right? And then they want to give you a hard time about that hundred and fifty thousand dollars that they're giving you when they've made, you know, one point five, two, three million dollars just on what you did to produce for that corporation. And I just right. think it's horrible. Yeah. It is. It is. It yeah. is. So yeah. it's it's a mess. You know, but and it doesn't um, help when you have, you know, so it's like Kamala and Biden coming in. You know what I mean? Yeah, and, Kwanzaa. Uh, uh-huh. Yeah, that Kwanzaa. I'm going to start calling her Kwanzaa. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm not going to do that. I'm just kidding, y'all. Okay. <laughs> nah. That was just ridiculous. That was just pandering. Like, straight up pandering. Like, <laughs> like, okay, first of all, like, sis, we get it. You're black. Okay? You went to Howard. You're in a black, you know, Greek sorority. Like, we're not really checking your bona fides, okay? Right. We believe you. You won already. Okay? Okay. You won, you won the election. We voted for you. You know what I mean? <laughs> we're not checking you on that. You you even taught a man, how, uh, another congressperson, how to make a tuna sandwich, 
and you were talking about things that he was missing, like seasoning. Okay? <laughs> so, not the tuna sandwich, so we get girl. It. Not the tuna sandwich. Go ahead. <laughs> no, you saw the guy who was making a tuna sandwich. It was some kind of wild way he was making the tuna sandwich. All it had was, like, mayo in it. It was, it, and he was calling it tuna salad, and, like, she was like, yeah, so, like, usually we like to put, like, flavor in our food, so, um, yeah, so we, like, use a little, you know, seasoning, and then, like, you know, we use, like, maybe some uh, relish or, like, some, you know, little pickles chopped up, or, you know, you can get, you know, fancy with you, throw some onion in there, you know what I mean? Like, so you're teaching him. Yeah, onions, some garlic. Yeah. Yeah, like there's all sorts of things you can do. But, yeah, no, um, you know, Kamala, you know, did not have to bring out the Kwanzaa Kwanzaa story, you know what I mean, to to prove to us that she's black, okay? Most black Americans don't celebrate Kwanzaa. Like, let's just be straight up about that. Like, most of us don't do it. You you may no. have done it once in your life. It probably was in school. <laughs> you know what I mean? Or at church. Right. Because right. I did mine with a community event at a church. Yeah. Right. Right. Something like that. And Only thing I can it. remember is Ujama. Ujama. I'm sorry. And I'm probably pronouncing that wrong. I said the only thing I can remember is Ujama, and I'm probably pronouncing it's it wrong. Ujima. Yes. Ujima. There you go. Okay. <laughs> Hey, I know my weak spots, damn it. Go ahead. <laughs> so, um, but I just spell yeah, the name. I spell the word, damn it. Go ahead. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, like, you know, he didn't have to, like, you know, you know, give us the story about multiple generations of your family celebrating Kwanzaa. Like, first of all, we don't believe you because most black people don't <laughs> celebrate Kwanzaa. So, you mean to tell us that, like, your Indian family? Your multiple generations of your Indian family, right? Because that is who you were raised by. Um, right. We're celebrating Kwanzaa? Really? Says, I'm glad Barack Obama like, never maybe, pulled that. Like, maybe you guys went to the community event together, and that's okay. You know what I mean? Don't, But don't try to hype it up and make it seem like Kwanzaa is, like, one of your family's traditions. You know what I mean? That's all I'm yeah. saying. It's just the pandering that, yeah, that gets me. I'm surprised me. we didn't see Obama with his white grandparents in some red, black, and green candles. You know what? <laughs> and I'm done. But <laughs> <laughs> say oh, what you got to understand. Because Obama, you because understand? Obama knows, because Obama <laughs> knows the limits of pandering. You know what I mean? He he knows, and he knows his strengths. He knows that he can that he can keep a tune. That's why he, he'll be quick to do some, you know, Al Green, you know, riffing. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? But he is not the about old spiritual, to, old you know, Negro spirituals and shit. Go ahead. Yeah, like, you know, he's going to do some Al Green style riffing, mm-hmm. you know, and, and keep it pushing. But he knows right. better than right. to act like he and his family celebrate Kwanzaa. But he just well, you know, better. I gotta throw a monkey wrench in this shit, don't you? You know, I can't help myself, right? What people need to understand with her doing this type of pandering and all of that, she's preparing to run for president. See, she, she's mm-hmm. she's already positioning herself to run as president. So when she does stuff like this, this pandering, it's, it's because she's preparing for four years from now if Joe Biden does not run for reelection which I doubt he will. So she's basically trying to step into the office of the presidency and she's setting it up for her to win. That's what all this shit is about. Mm-hmm. But that's just my opinion. What do you think? No, I agree. I mean, I agree. I mean, that's, I mean, all I can say is I agree. I mean, obviously that's why she's pandering. You know what I mean? She's right. a politician. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? And this is what politicians do. Right. You know? So. Right. How about mm-hmm. that shit? You gotta love it. So, 
How about them white people out here trying to blow up the power grid and setting off bombs and shit like that in Tennessee? And there are other incidents that have been happening. It just hasn't been getting the press. Ain't that I'm sorry, some say shit? That one more time. I'm talking about the white people out here that are trying to blow up the power grid, setting off bombs in Tennessee and other little incidents that have been happening. It just hasn't gotten a lot of press, or maybe it has because I haven't been on social media really a lot in the past two months or especially the past month. You know, all of this is happening, but it goes back to what we talked about, about white people being ungovernable. And it also goes back to the roots of the people who were sent to this country because initially they sent people who were in indentured servitude, criminals, the people they didn't want in their countries anymore. You know, being sent to America and Australia were punishments. And, you know, we've seen this type of behavior over and over. And this is why when I hear white people saying this is not who we are, you know, the black and brown people and, you know, the indigenous people, we're all looking at each other like, yeah, the fuck it is. And how, you know, they're refusing to call these people terrorists, domestic terrorists, right? And I just sit back because, you know, they like to blame that on brown people, on Muslims. And they are not the ones over here, you know, committing terrorism in this country. They're just not. Right. Yeah, so I just sit back. No, go ahead. I'm sorry. Oh, okay. I thought you were going to say something. And I was like, yeah, so, you know, just sitting back and watching all of this and and watching the Proud Boys and the other white supremacists and white nationalists and alt-writers and the ones who aren't racist but they're racial or or <laughs> or you know they'll say something to the effect of you know I'm just a man or a woman that's concerned with western ideology with western civilization which is a damn another euphemist that you're a damn racist motherfucker right you know and and there are many other you know <laughs> terms that they use for themselves but they're out here and they're doing these things and holding up signs saying that they're coming for the Native Americans and blacks first. Now, what's that all about? Yeah. And is anybody I surprised? Mean, no. <laughs> they shouldn't be. No. Not even a little bit. You know, and it's only going to get worse if if we continue to allow them to basically go about all of this criminality unabated. And that's pretty much what they've been able to do. They feel as though they've been given a mandate by Trump in this administration. Like I said, the Democrats are Republicans. The Republicans are ridiculous because, you know, they are so far right. They're fascists, right? And the libertarians are just sucking up my good air and my good heat. They're just worthless, just a bump on a log. I, I do not like libertarians, you know, and we all know that, you know. But the fact that they're being able to get away with all of this is just, you know, I don't know. You know, it's like chaos and havoc is their central thing. And so it's going to be interesting how this comes about, you know, in the next four years, but especially, you know, again, we don't know what the hell they have planned for New Year's Eve and New Year's Day. You know, if you want to pull off a surprise, you know, so when I leave the house now, I'm looking around and I'm making sure everything is everything. And my whole thing is is that, you know, you have to be aware of your surroundings. And something that I've been saying for years, even before I, you know, started this show, but especially when I've been on this show, I'm like, you all better learn how to shoot back. You better learn how to fight back because there will come a day when you need those skills, you know, because it's random. It's random. 
we don't know who or what they're going to attack, but the Trump administration has empowered and emboldened them. And we've been saying that from the very beginning and, you know, what's been happening and what's going on. And, you know, one thing that I do want people to look out for and to pay attention to is how Trump is going to be martyred. You know, that's why I call this the title of the show, Festivus, Martyrs, and Be Best, because his entire presidency in his campaign has been nothing but a Festivus festival, airing of grievances from day one till now until the day he's in, in the ground. And he's just pumping up Junior to try to, you know, take his place. You know, because, again, they look at this as a dynasty, you know, just pay attention to how they were trying to overturn the election, you know, even going so far as to call up the governors, the state legislators, and, you know, basically commanding them to come to Washington, D.C., and and trying to force the, you know, electoral college folks into changing their votes for him instead of Biden. And what's interesting is even before the election came about, they were in court basically forcing the electoral college delegates to vote, you know, according to the popular vote, the, po- the you know, the vote of the people. So Trump had already gone to court on this. Now you're trying to overturn what you forced the court into doing? I mean, how does that work, Raina? Mm-hmm. I do not know. Right. But, I mean, there's so many things I don't know. Because, like I said, everything they told us was a lie. Exactly. You know, which is why now I'm like, I don't know what to believe anymore. You know, everything across the board just lies. You know, we talked about this the other day. Ah, go to school, get good grades, go to college, get a good job, raise your family. The world is yours. A lie. Come to our church. You know, we're happy over here. We're just praising, you know, the Lord and, you know, his blessings. You know, the window has opened up and the blessings are being poured out. Hold my mule because you're next in line for a miracle. Let me dance a little bit and then I'm going to take my mule and go on. That was a lie, too. Even in the atheist community, come on over here. We have cookies and we're the best. And we're, you know, we're making big things happen. You know, ain't no stopping us now. You know, we're, we're, you know, we're going to take over the world. You know, the atheist community with their pinky and the brain theatrics, right? And that's a lie, too. Because look what ended up happening. That movement imploded upon itself, and then they started cannibalizing each other. And, you know, and again, even out here in the social justice community, you know, a lot of that shit is a lie. But I, would, I need to qualify that, okay? So when I say that a lot of this is a lie, I'm talking about how white people have turned social justice <laughs> into, you know, how they've commodified it and how they've turned it you know, in, into a corporate, you know, corporate-backed movement, if you will, right? And that was done on purpose. That was to take the wind out of the sails. That was to basically whitewash it, you know, to basically get control of it, to commodify it, to capitalize on it, and also doing that without addressing the racism that is now prevalent in the social justice movement, you know, because what happens is these white organizations write these grants, they get all the money, and they're supposed to distribute the money to, or you know, other organizations, you know, including themselves. But they only give it to organizations with people who had those organizations whose politics line up with theirs, who's willing to kiss their ass, who's not going to challenge them about the racism and the sexism and the homophobia and the transphobia. 
And so that's what I mean when I say, you know, some of the social justice movement has been hijacked. It has been. And what's interesting is, you know, again, they're building on the works of black, brown, and indigenous people and Asian, some Asian people that have been out here and have been doing this work for decades. And white people, they will come over and they will basically, you know, co-opt it and appropriate it. And that is what happened. That is what happened earlier, you know, a few months ago when you had Amazon and all these other corporations, you know, saying Black Lives Matter and, you know, pandering, knowing that, again, they commodified it, and, and again, they're trying to take the power out of it. And I'm looking around, and I'm like, is anybody else saying this shit but me? And this is how they're yeah. able to squash a lot of these movements. You know, besides the infighting and, you know, some of the pushback. And I will have to say, you know, again, you know, everybody is human. We're all fallible. And we're subject to make mistakes. And that's okay. That's how you learn. That's how you do better, right? But, you know, we can't do that without addressing the other stuff. So, I mean, again, there's a lot of good work that's happening in the social justice movement, you know, and I'm talking particularly, you know, black, brown, you know, indigenous and Asian. You know, with some of these white people, I don't know what the hell you're out here doing. Because you've even turned being anti-racist into a commodified package. Which is why I have some of the sentiments that I do about Robin D'Angelo. And what she's packaged up and what she's selling and how she's capitalized and commodified anti-racism. And the same thing with Tim Wise, you know, basically building his platform as well on the backs of black and brown women. And when you confront what's happening with Tim Wise and Robin D'Angelo, then they get martyred too. And what's interesting is some of the people that are martyring them are also black people. And then when they get called out on some of the shit, then they want to backtrack or in some cases they double down. And they're the reason, some of them are the reasons why we have Rachel Dolezal and these other transracial people that you're now finding out that have been, you know, walking under I'm black banner, but not quite being black. That's how they're able to get away with this. So, again, it comes back to policing the movements. I mean, Raina, what are your thoughts on that? Lord, I think Raina, Sorry, we I'm don't lost. I muted, I muted, I muted myself. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, I mean, yeah, I mean, I agree with you. Mm-hmm. It's fun, you know. I mean, but we have been talking about a lot of this stuff, you know what I mean, for a really long time. So, you know, mm-hmm. with the atheist and secular movement. So, you know, it's, um, it's you know, it's validating to see a lot of that stuff, you know, mm-hmm. come, come true, you know, or come, you know, more to the light, you know. Oh, yeah, definitely, you know, and so, you know, but even with the social justice movement, just seeing some of the things that have happened over the years, and, you know, and again, I want to make sure this is clear, I do support social justice and the social justice movements out here. I'm just very particular ones that I'm going to give, you know, particular about, you know, giving a thumbs up to. So, um, you know, just sitting back watching all of this and watching it happen and watch the chaos and all of that. And, I mean, the same thing with the feminist movement, you know, same thing with a bunch of other movements. And, you know, what angered and upset me, um, what angered and upset me, child, I can't even think straight, 
was basically how a couple of days after the general election and Biden, you know, was pretty much declared the winner, but they went through the motions, how Clyburn and and certain other Negro whisperers were out here basically disparaging defund the police. You had nothing to say while the election was happening, but after you got the votes, you know, and the votes of people who never voted before, or the people that have registered but never went out to vote, people who never registered and never voted. I mean, and, and you, you got all these new voters out here, and they helped you win, and now you want to come out and, and speak out against, you know, some of the tenets of the social justice movement. I don't understand that. After some white people, you know, sitting there crying, and maybe some black ones too, about how they almost lost their, you know, election or how they lost their election or what have you, and they wanted to blame it on Black Lives Matter and 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 defund the police and other mantras out there, you know, like us wanting to get rid of qualified immunity and all of those things. But you wait until after you get the vote. Don't think that we're going to forget that. You know, and because I got time on my hands, this is going to be an interesting year. I guess I'll come up, you know, for air and start doing things again. But, um, (laughs) yeah, no. (laughs) You know, this this year was a trip. You know, I had some new medication that basically turned me into a damn pet rock. And so (laughs) I feel like I'm coming back to myself. You know, um, I don't know. I don't know, y'all. I'm just really not motivated, you know, and it didn't help this year with the coronavirus and watching all of the death, experiencing death in our families. Um, It just, it was hard. And don't forget, I had heart surgery at the beginning of the year, which really slowed me down a lot. You know, who would have thought? that we would have lost this many people. I remember when they start making the, you know, the initial projections and forecasting for the coronavirus for the COVID-19 impact, and they were saying between two and 300,000 people were expected to die. And when I saw that, I remember saying specifically, when did it become okay to lose 200 to 300,000 people? And I still don't understand why it's okay. But all I can say is if you go and you look at the statistics and look at who's dying from it, this is one of the reasons why I'm like, you know, Donald Trump needs to be brought up in front of the damn UN and some tribunal charging him with fucking genocide. Because they did nothing on purpose. You know, and I understand the controversy about the vaccines. And, you know, what's interesting is, you know, today I was watching a news program and they say if we continue going at the pace that we are in regards to giving people the vaccine, it's going to take 10 years to give everybody in this country a vaccine. What are your thoughts on that, Raina? 10 years at this pace. I mean, yeah. I mean, we need a we need a a concentrated effort. You know, right now, you know, we have to wait for this. You know, this administration that was you know actively trying to murder a number of us, and that's all I can characterize it as is is murder. You know, when you have yeah. enough forewarning to. Um, to develop a plan and a strategy to prevent death and you decide that you're okay with death. You've decided that some people are okay, you know, are you, you basically engaged in murder to me, in my mind. Right. Um, right. So yeah, like, uh, you know, of course it's slow because we have an ineffective government and we've had a Republican administration that was devoted 
improving the indefiniteness of government. <laughs> and um, right. and that's why it is difficult right now to get um, everyone vaccinated. Also, we have a very strong anti-vax lobby in this country. Um, right. And a lot of, and, and what's funny about that is, is that, um, you know, all of this is related. A lot of the sort of new age, wooey, um, anti-vax, you know, um, belief systems um, are very much related to white supremacy. Exactly. And idea and, and, and um, ideologies, uh, you know, related to white supremacy, you know. So, um, mm-hmm. you know, it's difficult, you know, for a number of reasons to get it out. And I understand what some people's hesitancy is. And, you know, a lot of it is just not understanding, you know, um, that a lot of that these vaccines, you know, it looks like, you know, they, they've only been, you know, around for six months. But um, that's not entirely the case. Um mRNA technology is not six months old. <laughs> you know what I mean? And, um, and coronavirus has been a while it's for just a while. It, I'm sorry. Right. There's been, there's been um, two uh, other worldwide sort of pandemics um, right. of coronavirus. And, um, you know, there were, you know, vaccines in development for those. Fortunately for the other two, we were able to, um, you know, basically – control it, you know, using things like lockdowns and, you know, travel bans and all that kind of stuff. And so, you know, the the threat that those two viruses posed was quelled, right? Mm-hmm. But people people have been talking about the threat of these worldwide pandemics for a really long time. And so people have already been studying strategies on how to prevent these things. And so when the previous coronaviruses came up, there were vaccines investigated for those. And they weren't taken all the way through their clinical trials because who needs a vaccine for a virus that's no longer a global or or, or no longer really a threat, you know? Right. Um, And so... And so basically um, the vaccines that are out now are basically utilizing the strategies that were used to make the previous vaccine. So there was already, you know, evidence that these that these vaccines would be efficacious. Right. And SARS, um, the the virus uh, from the early 2000s, is very similar to SARS too. Very similar. I I forget I forget what their exact. Um, a sequence identity is between the two of them, but it's very, very similar. MERS less so, but um, but they're very similar. All of them are very similar in one particular region, and that is the spike protein, which is the protein that you need that the virus needs to get into your cells. So it makes sense that you eliminate the spike protein as a threat, you eliminate infection. So that's where these vaccines come from, most of them. I mean, well, all of them now. I think there are some other ones that are looking at other potential vaccine targets. But right now, um, the main target is um, the spike protein. So that's where we are with things. Yeah. You know, is the whole thing is interesting. Um, you know. And people don't understand things like allergies and, you know, um, you know, um, reactions and things like that. Like, um, if you look at the instance of Bell's palsy, for example, there's been, like, um, five cases of Bell's palsy. Um, When you look at the number of people in the clinical trial, there was, like, something close to 40,000. It was more like 38,000, something like that. And Mm -hmm. there were five cases of Bell's palsy. That's about the rate that happens in the general population. Right. <laughs> so right. it's not, it's no different. And one big positive about, and, you know, and this is not to 
make fun of anyone or to, to suggest that Bell's palsy is not a condition that anyone should be concerned about. But one big positive thing about coming out with Bell's palsy is you're not dead. So there's that. Um, remembering that, you know, we still don't know what the long-term effects of COVID infection are. And there are some indications that there could be long-term health consequences for COVID infection, leading up, up to the possibility of organ transplantation, uh-huh. which is a major deal. You know, we don't know if 10 years from now we're going to have an organ donation crisis or organ transplantation crisis in this country. You have no idea. Right. So I don't know about you, but I'll take the risk. I will take the risk. That is a risk that I am willing to take. So You know, and it's interesting that you would bring up Bell palsy, right? So mm-hmm. um, my parotid gland, when I had to have my parotidectomy, one of the concerns that the doctor brought up was when they were going in to basically excise the parotid gland, that they were being particularly careful not to um, basically hit one of the nerves in that particular area because that could create or cause Bell's palsy. So I just thought it was interesting, you know, when you brought that up and, you know, how close I came to having it due to an operation that I had to have. So more information about me that nobody asked for. Okay. I mean, I mean, mm-hmm. agreed, but I mean, even if you had come out of that surgery with Bell's palsy, that is I still would have been a alive. condition that you can live with. Hmm? Yeah, I would have been alive. Yeah, you would have been alive. Yeah, so, yeah, you know, the whole thing is interesting and, you know, People are doing their best, and, you know, the people that are out here on the front line, the essential workers, you know, we thank you for your service. You know, it's because of you that, you know, we can get our groceries, and, you know, we're still able to kind of get oil changed on our cars. And I mean, just a number of things, you know, that people are being taken care of when they go to the hospital. They're out here administering, you know, the COVID test all of those things, that's extremely important because someone has to do it. Absolutely. Yeah. I agree. Oh, yeah. I'm going to get ready to get out of here. Oh, so Um, me too. But But it was Mm -hmm. lovely speaking to you and, you know, Happy New Year to you and yours and the audience as well. Hope you all have a, well, I mean, let's face it. The beginning of 2021 is bound to be rough, right? Right. But at least we're starting to see the possibility of light <laughs> mm-hmm. at the end of this very long, you know, tunnel. Um, right. I, I wish you all joy, as much joy and um, as one can get in this situation, and above always, safety. So I hope to see you all, or I hope to see you, obviously, Kim, in 2021, because we didn't get to see each other this year. <laughs> yeah, due to no um, fault of our own, because we, we had our, you know, everything in place, you know, a yeah, lockdown the hotel and airline tickets, and it just mm-hmm. all went to hell. Yeah. But we'll see you. But it's okay. Hopefully we'll it's okay. Hopefully. Hang out with you this year. Yeah, hopefully, you know, towards the, you know, towards the, you know, maybe the summer months, fall months, we'll be able mm-hmm. to see one another. But yeah. in the meantime, um, like I said, I hope you all um, have a great um, 2021. Um, and uh, hopefully I'll be talking to you before then, before, you know, uh, before too long. But um, take care. All right, Marina, I will be catching up with you later. Thank you for coming on the show. Happy New Year to you and your family. Oh, thank you. Bye. Okay, bye. <laughs>
Yay! So we're happy that Randy came out today and spent some time with us. We'd like to let her know that we appreciate her. You know, a blast from the past. You know, that was a lot of fun. You know, for those of you that aren't aware, Raina and I are really good friends. And, um, you know, we really did want to go see her this year. And just, you know, air travel and all of that has been hit and miss. But also with someone like me who's, um, I just have to be careful because of the fact that, you know, I am immunocompromised. So, you know, again, I have to be very careful about where I go and what I do and all of that fun stuff there. And so, yeah, so, you know, I'm glad Raina, you know, kind of cleared up some things and talked about the coronavirus, how it's been around longer than just this year, and, you know, the, the MERS and SARS and how all of these are intermingled and related to one another in certain aspects. So, yeah, go out and do some reading on that. Um, you know, there are some people that are against the vaccine, some people that are pro-vaccine, you know, I'll just be honest with you. I am going to take the vaccine. I'm only interested in the Moderna. I will not take any of the other ones. And the main reason why I'm going to take it is because, again, I'm immune compromised. So, you know, catching the corona or whatever can be basically a death sentence for someone like me. So I have to be very careful about those things. And also, I, I do a lot of international traveling. So I have to be able to get out of this country, and many countries are at the point where they will not allow Americans who have not had the vaccine to come into their countries. So, you know, my hands are kind of tied behind it. But, again, I do believe in the science of the situation. And it's interesting when Raina brought up about some of these anti-vaxxers and, and, you know, again, how it's, tied to a number of these white supremacists and also a lot of these white churches. You know, a lot of these white Christians that fully support Trump, many of them are anti-vax as well. You know, I'll give you one good example, Kenneth Copeland. You know, they had a whole outbreak in his area and in his church of children, I believe it was the measles either the measles or the mumps, I don't have the story in front of me, but that was because they were against vaccines. And you have to remember that, you know, the white Christians or the Christian nationalists had a big influence on Donald Trump. Not that he believes or anything like that, but they assured him that they would support him. And, and, you know, again, you know, he in turn wanted to keep his promises that he made to, you know, the Christian community. So, you know, again, I just want you guys to pay attention to all of that that's happening. And also, and I'm going to be signing off shortly, but I want to go back again to what I said about the martyrdom, right, and how Donald Trump is going to be martyred. I mean, they already started doing that when he was in office. Just go back and read what some of those, these white Christians and some black Christians said about Donald Trump, that he's done, you know, basically he's done a lot, and some of them have gone along with Trump when he said that he did more for Americans than Jesus ever did. And you had some of these white evangelicals, white Christian nationalists stating that Donald Trump was the second coming of Christ. And again, all of this is being tied into white supremacy, white nationalism, because again, Christianity, Americanized Christianity, Americanized racialized Christianity is white supremacist, you know, in nature. The very foundation of that is it. So I just want you guys to pay attention as to how they're trying to turn Donald Trump into a demigod, right? how they're trying to, you know, um, show him as being, you know, again, like Christ or the second coming of Christ or the savior and basically the savior of the white, of the white culture of whiteness, if you will, white supremacy, white privilege, entitlement, 
again, meritocracy, you know, all of those things, which are just total, utter bullshit, right? But, you know, again, when you look up white supremacy or white privilege in the dictionary, it should have a big old Trump face in there. And a lot of people capitalized off of his presidency, and and now that he did not win the second election or re-election, how they're trying to walk some things back. You know, uh, in the atheist community, you'll see some of these people that were proud to be a part of the intellectual dark web, so IDW, you know, trying to backpedal and saying that they're sorry or that they learned and all of this, you know, Sam Harris and, you know, um, and others you know, that are out there like that, you know, that were definitely Trump supporters. I think the the Thinking Atheist was one of them, you know, just a number of them that were supporting, you know, Donald Trump, you know, Dave Silverman, and and basically that basically publicly, uh, <laughs> publicly, showed that they were pro-Trump, um, you know, against Kamala Harris against Biden, basically, you know, some of the same people that I've been calling racist all this time, you know, and, and getting some pushback from folks, but I was right, and they have proven that I was right. You know, the thing that, you know, makes me laugh is when I see some of the white people in the atheist community acting as though they just discovered that, you know, there is racism in the community, but some of them were the same ones ignoring what I was saying or trying to downplay what I was saying. And because of a number of reasons, but, you know, you all are going to learn. Some of the folks that you've been listening to, as far as, you know, what they have to say about me, you know, you'll find out. You'll learn in your own way. You know, I think some of you are learning it now, and some of you have learned a lesson or two. And that's the reason why many of us, me and Raina specifically, while we stepped back and stepped away, we figured you all need to find this out for yourself, you know, and, and see what the hell was really going on. And, you know, there's more of that to come. So anyway, um, as I was saying, you know, again, they're going to try to monitor Donald Trump. And, you know, again, um you're going to see a lot of movement, a lot of moving pieces, even more so now, and it's more in a harried sense now because he lost re-election. But I put out an article on my wall. Um, it had to be about a week ago, maybe, and it was talking about white-only churches and how that's always been a part of the, you know, fabric of America, and it will continue to be a part of the fabric of America, but you're going to see more cults developing, you're going to see, you know, people worshiping Trump even more than what you see now, and they're trying to turn all of this into an even bigger movement, because again, you know, the original reason that they have had some of the movements in the you know, white Christian community, it started out because they wanted segregation in the schools, and they still want that. And what's interesting is they hide behind abortion, you know, gay rights, and and a number of other things when that has not been their primary focus. You know, the primary focus has been racism and separate but equal. You know, they don't even give a damn if it's equal or not. You know, truth of the matter is some of them don't want us to have anything. And I just really would ask you guys to go and research the history of, you know, Americanized Christianity and and what it's done. But, I mean, but it's Christianity worldwide now. It's not just what's happening in America, but I know my primary um, audience is in America, so that's why I speak to that. But, you know, globally, white Christianity, again, is being used as a weapon of mass destruction and wiping people out, you know, colonialism. You know, all of it is interrelated. You know, there are intersections in many of these, you know, uh, movements and, and, and 
what we're dealing with. So anyway, again, you're going to see more cults developing. You're going to see more people out in the streets becoming empowered and emboldened because, again, they feel that it is their right, it is their manifest destiny to have everything that they want. And again, as we said at the very beginning of the show, these have been lies that have been fed to us. You know, we believe them. Other people believe them. But white people, particularly white men, take it to a whole new level, right? And white women like to hide behind the fact that they're women and some sometimes hide behind feminism, the ones that do say that they're feminists. However, when you go and you look at the numbers of how many white women voted for Donald Trump, that should tell you something. And that percentage went up this second time, which is why I give white feminists a hard time, and especially white atheist feminists. You know, I would love to see a poll to see, you know, how white atheists, you know, voted in this last election. I think that would be interesting. It's probably out there. I probably need to look for it. But, you know, it all boils down to the fact that I really don't care, you know, because um, you wouldn't believe. So anyway, guys, I just wanted to hit on that and let you guys know, you know, what's happening. And, and, you know, I want you to go and sit down and really think about what is real and what is fake and how real things have been called fake and fake things have been called real you know, alternative facts, right? So anyway, you all take it easy. Happy New Year. And, you know, again, next year we're going to be trying it again. I need to schedule some interviews and things like that and, and, you know, kind of pick things up. But, again, you know, I'm working on my motivation. You know, unfortunately, this year I watched so much television, it was ridiculous. I watched more television this year than I have in the past 15, 20 years. And all of it boiled down to the fact that I had a hard time reading and trying to focus and pay attention because everything that was going on around us, you know, again, it was just violent on so many different levels. But I didn't want you guys to think that I forgot about you. The show hasn't gone away. Yeah, it would be nice if I could have some consistency But work with me, guys, all right? I appreciate it. I love you. I miss you guys. And, you know, one day I'll go more into detail about the intellectual dark web and movement atheism and how the scam that they're pulling, how many of them went from being firebrand atheists to, you know, humanists and and social justice warriors and activists when they wanted nothing to do with humanism or social justice or anything. And again, you know, even David Silverman did it. Again, you guys, I'm just letting you know it's a scam. It's a fraud. They're fake. You know, we'll talk about, you know, again, how you have some of the black and brown, you know, um, atheists out here. Basically, um, gaslighting these organizations and gaslighting them into giving them money and giving them speaking gigs. And the thing is, is that the white organizations are not without fault. They're trying to throw money at a situation so that they can get political cover. So people, when people call them racist and, you know, again, homophobic and transphobic, they can say, but no, here, we have our blacks. Look at our blacks. Look at our browns. Again, you are not fixing the situation. These are not solutions. And you're being played and they're being played. And I'm just sitting back laughing, you know, at the Negro whisperers that they're ushering out there to give themselves cover. So that's a whole different story. Anyway, guys, happy new year, all of that fun stuff. I miss you. Let's try this again next year. All right, y'all take care. Bye-bye.